there you have it. The Edmonton Oilers are in sell mode. They dealt away goalie Cam Talbot for Anthony Stolarz of the Philadelphia Flyers in order to clear up salary cap room. That'll fit defenseman Andre Sakura back in the lineup and under the salary cap now that he's back from injury. But can the Oilers under interim general manager Keith Gretzky reasonably do much else besides give players away for middling draft picks to try to clear salary off the books? That is, if anybody wants those players at all. Other questions. Should Gretzky, brother of the great one, Wayne, be seriously considered as the next permanent GM of the Oilers? And it's unlikely Ken Hitchcock will be back next season as head coach. So what sort of coach should the Oilers target this time around? I'm Jim Matheson. I'm Rob Tichkowski. And I'm Craig Ellingson. I talked to these hockey beat writers for the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton Sun about these topics in the Oil Spills podcast for Tuesday, February 19th, 2019. So, it was a long weekend, family day, my wife's working, me and the son. I give him the option, do you want to go to see the orders sign autographs? And I say orders, see them sign autographs, because I showed him a picture of the lineup, and it was like, do you want to stand in that? He's like, no way, let's go to the Oil Kings game instead. Okay, so we went to the Oil Kings game. But knowing that there are thousands of people, and I w- kind of wish I went to see just to... Uh, just to see it for myself. I, haven't, I hadn't actually been to one of those orders autograph sessions in the mall since I was a child. I wanted to see how many people were there because, you know, from the looks of it, the place was packed. But at Rogers' place at the same time, the Oil Kings game had a very good crowd too. We sat in the upper bowl, which they had to open up. It's family day. I get it. They had Star Wars going on. So, But, you know, hockey, and my point in bringing all this up here is this obviously is a hockey town that we're in. They can fill them all, and they can, you know, do a very good job of getting a lot of people into Rogers Place for a junior hockey game. Uh, and uh, here we are, Hockey Town. You know, I was we were talking before we came in to record the podcast, talking with one of the photographers, talking about you know the weather and how cold it is, and bring up well, what's the weather like on the other side of the planet right now too? Is this polar vortex reaching down into Russia as well? And then uh, you know the conversation goes over to Siberia. Yeah, well, in Siberia, all they have to do is get through this cold weather, play hockey, and go out into the streets and fight after going to the bar or whatever. That's a stereotype. But, you know, it wasn't all that long ago when the Wild West was here, and that's kind of what people did here too. You know, they we had hockey in Canada, let's say, 100 years ago or more, and uh, that was about it. And you could go to the bar, and I'm sure you could get into a scuffle and stuff like that. Anyway, so some things never change, and here we are talking about this hockey team, the Edmonton Oilers, who uh, can't win a game, it seems. They come back from an Eastern road swing with nothing. and uh, But they're still in the race, you know, technically. It's not impossible, but it's very unlikely. Just as, you know, probably a little bit more unlikely now than it was a week ago. Well, if they had just reel in one team, it would be fine. But there's like four teams in front of them. And those teams eventually will be playing one another. Well, the Oilers aren't playing those teams. Mm-hmm. So they pick up points, and the Oilers can't do anything about it. So I don't know. I, I see nothing hopeful in the Oilers putting together a winning streak like St. Louis or like Arizona or like Chicago, who won like seven in a row. I just don't see it. Um, certainly not from since the New Year started. I haven't seen that where they, they're winning a lot of games. So 
they can talk all they want about you know all they, you know, all they need is three wins in a row. Well, where are those three wins in a row coming from? I don't. Well, they're coming in St. Louis and <coughs> Chicago, aren't they? They're not, well. They can't win at home, and their next several three games are at home. So they've lost eleven of the last thirteen at home. So are they suddenly going to win three in a row? I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. It's been desperately close forever. Like you know, they've just been six points out but they've been six points out for about five weeks now and they just don't do anything about it and you know yes everybody else has stalled but yeah, I looked at the they're, they're the right now over the last ten games they're the, they're the worst team in the league and they're they're sinking they're just a couple of points out of last place overall so those typically aren't the teams you would expect to you know go eight one and one and get yourself back in this race I mean like mathematically it's right there it's not even that far away you know they sweep this homestand they'll probably be two or three points out with you know 20 games to go but they haven't done a thing in the last you know six wins in 25 games so you know that you know, doesn't that doesn't uh those aren't the uh, hallmarks of a team that's about to, to rise up and you know they get they've added a couple of guys now so Sekera and Gagne let's see what uh what they add to the mix but uh yeah I mean mathematically they're still alive but they haven't shown a, a thing in the last little bit to suggest that they're going to do anything with it. Yeah, my question always is why, but you know, no one has the answer. Yeah. Obviously, if the coach knew why, we, <laughs> we would be seeing the some roster things. is not good enough. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can say all you want; they try hard, they work hard. The bottom line is this roster is not good enough. And when you start the first two months of the season, often teams get off and and they get a you know they start winning games, and then as closer you get to Christmas, the pace of the game moves up a little bit. The minute you get into January. The pace of the game is way up there, and these are teams that are trying to make sure they get in the playoffs. And the owners haven't been able to keep up, and they haven't been able to keep up because they can't score enough. And their goaltending is only average. They don't have a goaltender like St. Louis does with this Bennington who wins every game he plays now. You know, you needed one of those goalies just to win your games. And I don't... I don't think the goaltending has been bad, but I don't think that they've won them a lot of games either. Where mm-hmm. the other team is like in, on the road trip, where Matt Murray won the game against the Oilers for Pittsburgh, where McElhenney won the game for Carolina, and where Leonard was better than Koskinen in in uh, Brooklyn. So unless one of those goalies gets on a hot streak and and has only given up one or two a game, I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Because you know the game against the Islanders, like you said, just. Uh, you know, the effort was there. You know, I think the uh, line was they might have even played the Islanders, but they obviously lost the game 5-2, to two. and mostly because, well, they just don't have the, the horses mm-hmm. to do it. Um, so where do you get these horses from? Obviously, you know, they, the team just finished firing a, well, not finished, almost been a month now since they fired Peter Shirelli, going on a month. Um now the key is, I mean, whether it's you know, obviously it's Keith Kretzky right now sitting in the interim chair. Um, how they go about acquiring the pieces to you know move on and somehow move up. You know, plenty of talk right now about Jesse Pujarvi and you know him being on the block probably, and whether or not you think he should stay or go. I think the you know the key is whether they keep him or trade him is to get him in a situation where he can blossom and that's going down at the AHL is it not well it is but he hasn't exactly blossomed in the AHL either Mm -hmm. I I think you have to prove your 
clearly too good for the... It's because he's staying up here all the time. You're too good for the American League before you come up and play significant minutes. And what the Oilers are balancing here is they waited too long on Yakupov hoping he would come around, and he never did. And then by the time they traded him, they got a third-round draft pick. You know, they were, they were selling low, and they got, it's all they could get from St. Louis. He's played three years now in the NHL, well, two and a half, I guess, 137 games. But there comes a, a point where you have to say, is he an NHLer or, or are we just wasting our time here? So this season has, you know, been much like all the other ones. He's got four goals, you know. And, and like I, I said, when Yessi when scores a goal, it looks like he's the most surprised guy in the building, which isn't a good thing if you're mm. an NHL player. <clears throat> and, you know, so they, they're at that tipping point with him where, you know, if he's Yakupov and you think he's Yakupov, then you better trade him this summer. Before everybody figures Before everybody, out. before you go through another year hoping he's going to come around and he doesn't. Yeah, because these, these scouts, like, they're smart hockey people. Like, the pro scouts aren't, aren't looking at his stats line. They aren't looking at who his line mates are. They're looking at what he does on the ice. And they see these big wide loops where it's like a cruise ship turning around in the middle of the ocean. And they see a guy who's skating five feet away from the puck carrier where passing to him doesn't accomplish anything. They, they see a guy who's cutting the shift short, who doesn't win a lot of puck battles. I mean, they're looking at him as, as you know, his skills as a player and, and just just haven't seen a whole bunch from him yet. And, like, everybody wants to make excuses. And they, ha- they haven't handled him very well. They, they, they brought him up too soon, as they do with everybody, because the roster's so thin. And he's, you know, has, the, has this man's body. They thought he would adjust. But, like, I've been watching the guy for three years, and I can't remember once seeing him do something out there that makes you think, wow, this kid's going to be something really special. He's just a big guy who skates pretty well in a straight line and has a good shot. And beyond that, I haven't seen improvement in, in almost any other aspect of his game in three years. And even if you're playing on a third line or a fourth line or not getting any minutes, you should still be improving as a player. And you should still be, like, as a third or fourth liner, don't cry about your line mates. You know, you're, you're playing against third and fourth liners. So he should be feasting on those guys. You know, he's not against Drew Doughty and, and the best, you know, defenders in the league. Or he's not against, you know, the other team's top line. He's against the other team's bottom six. So as a, as a fourth overall pick you should be excelling in that and he just doesn't excel anywhere and he's played a lot he's played 20 games on the second line this year he played 20 games on the first line last year he's getting the chances he just doesn't do anything with it so you guys want you, you you're selling Pogliarvi now right if you I'm guys trying are this summer yeah I think this yeah. summer to see what might be out there but it, it, you'd have to put something with Pogliarvi to get well, Yakov got a third round pick back by himself. But you'd have to give him a draft pick and Puliarvi to get something better because you're not trading Puliarvi for, you know, all your, you know, as somebody on the radio said today, he says, I don't even know if they get Miles Wood for Jesse Puliarvi. So I, you know, the way he's playing. And, you know, I, he should have been in the minors. The flip side is, he should have been in the minors playing. But he's practicing every day with an NHL team. You would still think that in those practices, mm-hmm. he would be picking up some things he's not good at. And if that means uh, working, you know, cycles off the boards using his six foot four frame, keeping the puck away from the opposing team, and then going to the net with it, uh, or saying, I'm passing the puck to you, and now you go by this defenseman. You try to get by this defenseman and use your size. 
But there's there's nothing like that. I don't see that either. Where he gets the puck twenty feet from the net, and invariably he he starts veering towards the boards, as opposed to saying I'm going I'm t- I'm taking on this defenseman, and or he defers to well, I better better pass it to somebody else. So that's confidence, but that's also not having enough. You know, I guess faith in your own ability, which you certainly had in in junior, and which Sebastian Ajo in in Carolina, who played with him, said, "I saw that all the time in junior. It's not there, and I don't know where you get that. If it's suddenly going to go down to the minors, and and you're going to get it, all I know is in Bakersfield they got a pretty good first couple of lines. So you're suddenly going to take somebody off those first couple of lines just to play." Polarity there. Well, Josh know. Curry came up. That disrupts. Yamamoto's things. playing in the third line there. They're they're, they're going so good. Mm. So um, all they do is win. And the AHL team. I mean, as much as you'd like to keep that unit together, like I just said, Josh Curry is up with the owners now. I assume he was in the top two lines. Yes, he you was. Know, you're going to be feeding the NHL. You're going to be. The purpose of that team mostly is to aid the Oilers team. However, I mean, I get it. You want to keep. You know, obviously these players are developing that on there too and, and keeping that streak alive is you know. I think what they're looking for in the minors is to keep all their young players in the minors as long as they can and only bring up players who can be bottom six players mm-hmm. because then you can move them around whether you're talking Gambardella or uh, Brad Malone or Josh Curry or, Phil, or Patrick Russell and they want to keep their young players down there now they finally decided you know what Tyler Benson, I don't give. A, I don't care if he gets two points every game. He's not coming up. Yamamoto, stay down there for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Don't come up. And I think they're, what they're looking for is to see if some of those minor league players making six hundred and fifty thousand dollars can be NHL bottom six players. At least fourth line players, a lot less money than they're paying some of the fourth line players they've got now, mm-hmm. so they can save some money. Did Hitchcock ever say what he saw in Pulyarvi that he said? Bring him up to the team because obviously Pugliarvi was down before McClellan got fired for a couple of games. And then all of a sudden, well, then, as we all know, Hitchcock said, bring him up because I want to work with him here. What did he ever say? Yeah, what he, that was? He, likes, he likes big wingers, and, mm-hmm. and he just thought that uh, he would be benefiting more from being around because the things that he struggled most with were NHL time and space, which you're not going to adjust to in the AHL because it's, it's not NHL time and space. So he thought that bringing him up here, uh, you know, he's the guy, like everybody knows, who kind of talked management into bringing him back. But for a guy who had all this faith in him, he sure doesn't play him a whole bunch. You know, he leaves him out there for, you know, five minutes unless the game is close and then he plays less than that. So, yeah, he just, he likes big wingers who can skate a little bit. And he thought that he could work with him and mold him and turn him into, uh, you know, a player. But, you know, Todd McClellan was also an excellent coach and he had a lot of time with him and, and couldn't couldn't draw it out of him either, so... You know that that might have been a big mistake. And I don't think it's it, it's incumbent on the coach, just because you're big and you can skate and you're fourth overall pick to suddenly give you more than ten minutes. Your your the object is show me you, you deserve twelve. Show me you deserve fifteen. Show me you deserve to be on the first power play unit, not the, the mop up guy. And I agree with Rob. You you do with what you're given. And then show in those few shifts you get that you're, as the game wears on, you shouldn't be on that line. You should be playing on another line. Yeah, I mean, I think what what hurts them is they're kind of semi trying to convince themselves that they're still in this playoff race, and you can't just abandon everything to develop. Because almost 
the other side of the coin, you look at it now, like, you know, lose three more games and you're, can you can tell yourself you're out of it. Okay, then bring Puliarvi up and play him 20 straight games with McDavid to end the season. And then either pull him out of his funk or up his trade value or, or do something on that front with him. So, But, you know, you can't afford to throw these games away when, you know, you're only five, six, seven points out of a playoff spot with 25 to go. You have to think team first and maybe the miracle of making the postseason. So, I mean, they're kind of, they got a lot of layers to this thing and none of them are very good right now. Now, the trade deadline is coming up in a week, um, and like you know, most NHL teams, there's the orders are up against the salary capper. They would probably, obviously, want to clear as much salary off the books as they can in preparation for the off season, or who knows what's out there uh, on the trade market now that they would reasonably be able to expect to maybe bring in. What do you think the orders can do? I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be trading for Brandon Manning or Kyle Brodsiak or Tobias Reeder, but I don't know. Maybe. There's somebody. Petrovich maybe is yeah, a seventh defenseman right. with a, an exi- a contract that's running out. I think you could trade Zach Cassian. For sure. Yeah. If you decided we're not paying a million nine for a fourth-line player. Now, Zach has played quite well the last little while with Connor McDavid. I, I certainly... He's played better with Connor than he has on some of the other lines, yeah. uh, so maybe you don't. But his marketability right now is pretty probably pretty high. I think you can maybe trade him. I think Matt Benning is probably a defenseman you could trade if you think you've got lots of defensemen. Let's put it this way: if they think that Caleb Jones can replace Matt Benning next year, maybe you, you try to trade Matt Benning now mm-hmm. to a team you know where Matt could play in the bottom, you know, the third pairing. Um, but you know their hands are tied with some of these players. You know they're not. None of the older players. When you're 29th place team, none of those players are jumping out at you. Said, "Oh, we got to have this guy." So it's it's difficult. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's basically clearing money for. To me, I would just. I'd have, you know, maybe five, six, seven guys that are untouchable, and then just say, "Have at her. Clean this roster out. Start again. It's not good enough. Let's not cling to." fringe players that we think maybe 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 not it's it's not it's not working it's not good enough so i would just if i was keith gretzky i'd say okay you know you can't have mcdavid and dry clefbaum nurse larson maybe i don't even know and then just say anybody else you want let's let's the thing is the one player who is a trade chip is darnell nurse for a top flight fort winger yeah you could get a i mean if they went to winnipeg and you said you trade me Ehlers for Nurse and two young players the same age. And, and you know, you're, you're, you're sacrificing a defenseman, but you're, getting, you're finally getting a top six winger. So, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, it's 50-50. I, you know, I don't... It's an, it's an uncomfortable position for Keith Gretzky who's had to come in and clean up some of the messes yeah. here. And I thought he did a, a nice job trading Cam Talbot for... Mm-hmm. You know, getting rid of the money for a player that they obviously didn't want to sign again for a, a goaltender who's, you know, 
making seven, you know, seven hundred and sixty-one, you know, one thousand for a goaltender making four point one. So that's you know he cleared up some money there. So, um, but every year is the same as Rob points out. They go into this thing saying, okay, we're out of it now. Which of our players would do you think anybody would want? Last year it was Patrick Maroon and you know some other guys and and you know they traded Brandon Davidson and Mark Letestu. Um, contracts were up and and you know, managed to trade them, but they didn't get a lot for. You never do at the deadline because people need a third round pick for Davidson. You got a Pontus uh, Aberg for Latesto, who didn't last long, and Patrick Maroon. You got a third round pick and a college player, so they didn't get much for that. And they need like literally three scoring wingers. They need players who can play at worst next year and and be on their team and be successful. Yeah. And I, you know, I I would be going to Chase on right now and saying, here's your two year contract at a, a million seven five or whatever, and you want to sign it right now. And at least you can plug him in and say, okay, worst you're on the third line, and you got, you know, that's not a lot of money, and then uh, yeah. that's one less thing to worry about. Now Chase on, we haven't mentioned him. I'm sure the teams would take Chase on it. Yeah, he's got experience. Well, what are you going to get? You're just going to get a draft pick back. Yeah, they literally need it. They need a first line winger and two second line wingers, so on a limited budget with not much to trade. So good luck filling that. How likely is it that the owners will just give Keith Gretzky the general manager's job outright? Unlikely. Yeah. I don't know if he wants it. <laughs> Unlikely. Well, at least he publicly says he doesn't want it. I think he's a way sharper. I, I, I think, you know, you'd like to stand up for Keith against some the backlash, the old boys club. And and there is obviously some of the old boys club in there. Uh, but, you know, for the fan to think he only gets the, got the job because he's Wayne's brother, he's worked in this business for quite some time. And the people you talk to say he's pretty smart at what he does, understated and smart at what he does. So uh, I think he's, you know, he's had to carry the fact that he's Wayne's brother, which is never diff- never easy when you're the brother of a superstar, and, and getting jobs is the same thing. But he was pretty good at what he did in Boston, and he's not working for the orders because um, Kevin Lowe said, let's hire Keith Gretzky. Peter Shirelli brought him in, and, and you know he did draft some pretty good players in Boston when he was there. Charlie McAvoy, I think he had a pretty good hand mm-hmm. in drafting. He's really McAvoy good on the and side. Jake DeBrusque, and now certainly those other two players they picked when they had three first rounders, you know, didn't pan out. But certainly some of them did. He was responsible for Pasternak too, wasn't he? Uh, he was, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, obviously, uh, the last time the Oilers went out and hired a general manager was four years ago after this season, and. Between the draft, winning the draft lottery for McDavid, and a few days later, poof, Peter Shirelli is the new general manager. There wasn't, you know, I had to go back and scour around, but I'm not sure who the names other candidates were at the time. But obviously, the owners have given themselves more time than just four or five days to decide what their uh, approach will be to finding a new GM. I mean, there's, obviously we've already thrown the names out there back when Shirelli was fired, the likes of Ron Hextall and Mark Hunter and Keith uh, McCrimmon on and on, or sorry, Kelly McCrimmon 
on and on. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Gretzky's been entrusted to make some deals now. Obviously, trade deadline here and whatnot. But, um, yeah, anyway. But I know that you have written and have said he's a, he's a sharp guy. And he's not here well, because he's Wayne's brother. Be in the, still with the organization, let's put it that way, even if they bring in another right. general manager. Yeah, he'll keep the spot. Keep the spot as a, in the amateur side of things because I think he knows what he's doing. Mm, okay. Uh, you know, and on, in the same vein, you know, Ken Hitchcock's the head coach of the Oilers, but I can't imagine he'll be the coach next year. No. No, I think he's – hey, it's, it's a tough gig, and I think he – kind of thought you know he had a lot of confidence in himself he thought I, you know i can come in here i can fix this thing and things got off to the great start and it was this wonderful honeymoon period but everything is coming back to reality now and he's a smart hockey guy he can see what what's here and uh it's it's a hard gig and he's what pushing 70 so i i would be and a new gm is going to want his own guy so i think just all of that adds up to him just coming in and trying to do a favor and doing the best he can with this roster but you know the roster is the roster and it doesn't matter who the coach is it's it's going to be pretty tough to uh you know take the whip to this thing and get it into the playoffs it might be kind of hard to say who do you think the coach should be because obviously the general manager will dictate that a lot mm-hmm. you know there you know, obviously it's i would imagine that part of any new general manager's uh you know desires would be somebody he's worked with before but I know who I'd hire. Who would you hire? Ralph Kruger. <laughs> yeah. Bring Ralph back. Is that realistic, though? Probably yeah, not. It is, probably. I noticed his Southampton ho- football team is in relegation mode right now. So, uh, <laughs> And they have new owners the last couple of years from the lady who hired him in the first place. So, yeah, I, I, I would not mind that one bit. So I agree with Rob. You know, they, the, a new GM's coming in to hire his own coach. And the last couple of coaches they've had have been veterans, yeah. you know, Todd and, and Hitch. And then before that, it was Dallas who hadn't been a head coach, and that didn't work out real well. Uh, and then re- before that, Ralph had not been a head coach, but had been, in, you know, coached Switzerland forever, you know, in the, in the Olympics and stuff. So I don't know. It gets, I guess it depends which general manager gets the job. And... Uh, you know, it always t- comes down to where. Wh- how do I know this guy I want to hire as my coach when I'm the general manager? Yeah. It'll be somebody he's worked <clears throat> with before. Yeah, you know, obviously the uh, you know, McClellan and Hitchcock. You know, obviously McClellan paid with his job, and you know Hitchcock hasn't had much success kickstarting this roster either, except at the beginning when he was here. Yeah. Um, I know the name Chris Knobloch had been thrown out there before. You threw that out there, I think. Bob Stoffer would be throwing it out there. Yeah, because probably. Is, <coughs> I mean, I guess do, play for the Golden do Bears they go for a younger coach, a different style of coach? That's I think yeah. it's just instead of who the coach is, is yeah. what kind of coach yeah. are they yeah. looking for? I think and he's very qualified, and he coached Connor McDavid, which is not a sure. bad thing. So yeah. he was the most successful junior coach going for four years before he went to the, the Flyers. So, um, yeah, it certainly would be a possibility. I don't, you know, like I said, Coaching is one thing. Players are another thing. I don't care who's coaching the team if they don't have good enough players. Because yeah. yeah. they've had some pretty good coaches come through here. <clears throat> Kruger was a good coach. and you know Hitchcock's a great coach. McCollum's a good coach. It's not like they've struck out on their coaches. Just They mm-hmm. just haven't had the players.
That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Oh, 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 o